Gold is not simply an investment asset. It's a representation of our personal sovereignty and personal economic freedom. It's protection against tyranny, and we'll be needing plenty of this protection against what's to come. This is the message from our next guest, Bob Moyarty. He is the founder of 321gold.com, 321energy.com, and the author of many popular books, including Basic Investing in Resource Stocks, The Idiot's Guide. Bob previously served as a Marine Corps fighter pilot in Vietnam, and he has many flight records under his name, including a record flight time between New York and Paris. Fun fact about Bob, he's also flown his plane underneath the Eiffel Tower. Bob, welcome to Kitco. Pleasure to have you on today. It's a great pleasure to be here, David. So, Bob, my first question for you is rather simple. It's probably a simple question for you and simple for many of our viewers who have been following the gold market, but I think it sets up our conversation quite nicely nonetheless. So, Bob, what is the reason for buying gold right now in today's current environment? Because the alternatives are far worse. And, and that seems like kind of a cop-out, but we have the bond market fixing to crash and the stock market fixing to crash. The cryptocurrencies have lost more money than what's lost in 2008 in the subprime crisis. Gold is an insurance policy against government stupidity. I do not worship gold. Gold is honest money, and I think we're going to go back to honest money, and certainly what the Russians and the Chinese are setting up uh, would indicate that gold is going to be part of the uh, world reserve currency of the future, just as it has for 5,000 years. World gold reserve currency of the future. We're going to come back to that, Bob. But uh, okay. going back to what you said about government stupidity, can you outline some of this stupidity that you've observed that may be beneficial for the gold market? Um, all of it. Okay. This this work gets absolutely silly. Uh, the United States has been in constant warfare uh, for the last 22 years. Uh, uh, George Bush, who is a draft dodger in Vietnam, I'll give him credit for that, uh, started fighting. Uh, we, we were at war with Iraq and with Iran and Pakistan and Afghanistan and Somalia and Syria. Uh, the United States spent $2.3 trillion in Afghanistan and we couldn't even manage the pullout without looking stupid. Uh, we left something like seven or eight billion dollars worth of weapons, uh, to the people who had been our adversaries for 20 years. For, for the United States to turn around and, and believe that we should attack Russia, it is simply insane that the whole Russian Ukrainian thing, it, it's totally insane. And it's only been made worse by the sanctions, which are probably the biggest geopolitical mistake in world history. These sanctions are going to have more effect on the lives of everyone in the world than anything that's happened before in history. Right. Actually, you've lived through Vietnam. Um, 
We know that after the uh, end of the Bretton Woods, which coincided with the Vietnam War, gold spiked up dramatically. But most people think that that's just simply because that uh, gold was allowed to free float and so market participants uh, flooded into the market. But I'm wondering, Bob, whether or not you think that uh, war in itself has been or will be a good boost for the market, the gold market, that is. Well, uh, here's what happens. Every empire ends when they get involved in military adventurism. It happened to the French with their involvement in the Revolutionary War. It happened to the Russians with their involvement in Afghanistan. It happened to the British with their involvement in South Africa. And certainly, I I don't think anyone can justify the constant state of war in the last 22 years, the United States, it's crazy. And the United States is doing nothing to end the Ukraine war and everything to prolong it. Uh, it, Here's the key. The United States fights wars to fight wars. When I was in Vietnam, we weren't fighting the communists. We were fighting for DuPont. We were fighting for Convair. We were fighting for... Uh, DuPont, Chloroforgan. And, and strange enough, when when all you're doing is trying to use up weapons, the military-industrial complex loves it, but it's war and people get killed. There have been millions of people killed by Americans the last 22 years, and we're sitting here pretending a few thousand people killed in Ukraine is some kind of uh, terrible thing. It is terrible, but it's something we started. What is the next major global conflict that might break out that might move the markets uh, in either direction, do you think? So let's examine currently what's happening. War in Ukraine, as you know, as everybody knows, the speculation from some people who are really bearish is that it might escalate to a point where other nations, including NATO, would be involved, and then we're really in trouble. Potentially, we're looking at a world war. I'm not saying that should happen. I'm not saying that would happen, but that is a very bearish worst-case scenario that some people have posited. Uh, looking abroad to the Asian Pacific region, uh, China and Taiwan, uh, those uh, two uh, regions have conflicts as well. Now, recently, President Biden has said that he would militarily support Taiwan if China were to act aggressively in any shape or form. China has then responded by uh, launching readiness, combat readiness patrols around the Taiwan Strait as a message to Taiwan and its allies. So do you think that is a next hot spot uh, to watch out for, Bob? Um, you're close, but it's no cigar. The real battle that's going on right now, it's a battle between good and evil, and it's between the World Economic Forum and people who desire freedom. Uh, in hindsight, we're going to look at Putin's actions in Ukraine and, and say he was defending freedom against totalitarianism. Now, the global leaders, when you talk about Gates and Soros and Klaus Schwab and, and the 2,800 uh, young global leaders, uh they want total control, and, and your viewers should read the Great Reset because when you read it or you watch the video put out by these people, they're crazy. 
And I, I, I mean that they are simply insane. They're talking about by 2030, uh, you will own nothing and you will owe nothing and you'll be happy. Well, that happens to be the definition of slavery. And uh, they're absolutely upfront about it. They intend to turn useless eaters, which probably includes you and me, uh, in, in, into what it's actual slavery. The, the Ukraine war is over. Okay. Russia has won. They decimated the, the Ukrainian military. China is sitting there watching the whole thing. When I was in Vietnam, uh, the Chinese and the North Vietnamese talked about the United States being a paper tiger. And, and they were absolutely correct. For a country that just spent $2.3 trillion and 20 years fighting a bunch of goat herders and getting their asses kicked, for the United States to engage in any kind of conflict is totally insane. But if you listen to the American leadership, uh, the American leadership says we're not going to allow Russia or China to compete in the world markets. And I'll tell you something, that's absolutely impossible to stop. They can't do that. All right. Uh, uh, lots to unpack there. You said that Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab and other world leaders want, quote unquote, total control. W- what exactly do they say, Bob? Well, uh, here's the deal. People who have a lot of money believe they're smart. And throughout history, the elites have always believed they should rule because they've got the economic power. That's true of Soros, it's true of Bill Gates, it's true of Klaus Schwab, it's true of, of, of Zuckerberg. Let's talk about the 2020 election, throw in something. Zuckerberg spent $600 million overthrowing the vote. It was an illegal vote. Anybody who, who even thinks about it realizes it's fraud. It was the most fraudulent election in American history, and Zuckerberg bought the election. That's how far overboard we've gone, and and it's going to correct because there's too many people who understand what's really going on. Believe it or not, Putin, along with Trudeau and Macron and the woman who runs New Zealand, were all part of the 2,800 young global leaders run by Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab is running an organization that nobody has ever voted for, nobody has ever elected, but they're incredibly powerful. There was a vote last week of the WHO. There was a meeting in Davos, and one of the things that they were going to vote on was should the WHO have the ability to rule the world from a medical point of view, okay? If the WHO wanted to put you in prison for not taking the shot, that's what they were voting on. That's totalitarianism. And luckily it was voted down because a lot of people woke up to the fact that a totalitarian government is a bad idea. Uh, uh, okay. You're lucky shocked. <laughs> Well, okay, wait, so they, hold on, uh, this is, this is news to me. They, they debated on whether or not to jail people based on whether or not they take vaccines. I mean, that seems like a, 
I know some no, nations no. have. No, no. Yeah, here's please what clarify. They did. Okay. They voted on should the WHO okay. overrule every treaty or law in the world. Now, right. who runs the WHO? Okay. Who's behind the WHO? Please enlighten us. Bill Gates. Okay. I, Bill can you Gates clarify what you mean by Bill? Biggest, I, I don't think he literally runs the WHO, Bob. Yeah, of course he does. Okay. When, when Bill Gates talks about vaccines, and there's plenty of times that he said the same thing, he encourages people to take vaccines because it will lower the population. Now, what does that mean? Think about that for a minute. How do you lower the population by forcing people into taking vaccines? Um, okay. Again, I, I don't know exactly what the context is here, so you're going to have to provide us with a little more information. And, uh, you and, go and, uh, to YouTube. You put in right. Bill Gates, and you can put in vaccines, and you could find I, videos where Bill Gates has said vaccines will reduce population. Now, think about that for just a minute. It's not particularly complicated. How do you reduce population by forcing people into taking vaccines? Well, I, I, maybe we should, yeah, maybe we should revisit that clip. And uh, I, I think there's probably more context to that. I'm not a medical expert myself, so I will just come back to the uh, economic side of this. Bob, suppose okay. you're right. Suppose that uh, the um, the world order or the elites or the leaders do want to lead us into some sort of more totalitarian, uh, less free society. I think you're not the only person who has made this kind of prediction. Paint us a picture. What does this society look like in 10, 15 years? Suppose you're right. Suppose the elites get their way. What happens to us? What happens to gold? Oh, <clears throat> that, that's really interesting because it's two totally diametrically opposed issues. Okay. Uh, one... The WEF is absolutely crystal clear about wanting a totalitarian society where everything that you do is controlled. You're monitored constantly. You have a social credit system. The currency is some kind of cryptocurrency. So they control everything, including if, if your social credit score is not high enough, you can't eat. That you, is you slavery. Eat. Okay. When You're talking somebody, about China? You're talking about China specifically now? No, no, Bob? no. China started social credit, but the mm -hmm. World Economic Forum wants to make it worldwide. Okay. Uh, I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Worldwide, like you mean in the U.S., we're going to have a social credit score system similar to what the Chinese currently have in their country. You need to, you need to read The Great Reset. I'm not making any of this up. It's the Great in the Reset. Book. It, okay, who wrote the Great Reset, Bob? Just, just so we have some uh, Klaus, clarity on that. Klaus, yeah, Klaus. Oh, Schwab. Klaus Schwab's book. Okay. Okay, and if you listen to his chief tactical officer, who's an Israeli, and I can't possibly pronounce his name, he talks about useless eaters, and that's a very scary comment to make. What is a useless eater? Uh, the World Economic Forum wants total control. The elites will own everything. 
and the peasants, that's you and me, will own nothing, and they will owe nothing, and they will be happy. And you can go to YouTube, and Trudeau says that. There's none of this secret. All right. Um, again, I think there's probably some context that needs to be provided here. But, okay, so specifically, so we, you were talking about gold as an insurance policy. Uh, what exactly are gold investors insuring themselves against? Is it this loss of freedom that's going to come later on uh, in our lifetimes, Bob, that uh, that you were just describing? I mean, how does that translate to a higher gold price precisely? Well, well, interestingly enough, it doesn't necessarily uh, translate into a higher gold price. Gold never changes its value. An ounce of gold, it's worth an ounce of gold. That was true a thousand years ago. It was true 10 years ago, and it's going to be true 10 years from now. Gold does not change its value. The currencies change value. And certainly you can look at what happened to the, to the cryptocurrencies. Uh, the sanctions are going to cause the same problem with the euro and eventually the same problem with the United States. The United States has shot its bolt in, 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 in Ukraine. Okay. We fired a weapon that we should have never picked up in the first place. And the blowback from the weapon is going to destroy the United States financially. So your choice is going to be, do you want a stack of $100 bills in this hand? Or do you want an ounce of gold in this hand? And anybody with any sense is going to go for the gold. All fiat currencies disappear. And every country that gets a reserve currency the reserve currency lasts for about 75 to 80 years. And the United States has had their 75 to 80 years. The Chinese and the Russians and the Iranians are working on an alternative currency now. And it will absolutely take over. And gold's going to be part of it. Uh, gold is literally economic freedom. What, okay, alternative currency. Which what what kind of alternative currency are they working on, Bob? Well, here's the deal. Let me read this to you. Okay, yeah. this is the meeting that took place last week. Uh, the first Eurasia Economic Forum, and and your viewers can look that up on Google. What was held last week in in Bishkek, uh, Kyrgyzstan. Uh, should be regarded as a milestone in setting the parameters for the geoeconomic integration of the Eurasian heartland. These sanctions have effectively moved the economic center of gravity from Europe 5,000 miles to the east, and they've given tremendous power to Iran, to China, uh, to India, and to Russia. The forum discussed the model of a new global settlement currency pegged to baskets of national currencies, commodities. And this is something I've been talking about for two months. We're going to go to a gold-backed system because the gold-backed system works, and what we have now doesn't. Now, one of the things that we know is, given the size of the bond market, given the size of the stock market, given the size of the derivatives market, it is a giant balloon running around looking for a pin. And it's going to find that pin 
And the question is, is it's not whether it's going to blow up. Of course, it's going to blow up. You, you can look at the stock market. The easier prediction in the world is we're going to have a market crash. We haven't started it. We're just barely into it. We're going to do the same thing we did from 1929 to 1932, and the stock market declined 89%. But what everybody forgets is from 1932 to 1933, the stock market went up 150%. When the United States put sanctions on on the Russian ruble, the ruble went to a ratio of 160 to 1 U.S. dollar. When Putin came out and started tying the price of oil to gold and, and demanding payment in rubles, the ruble went from 160 to 60. It was the biggest advance in a currency in the last 30 or 40 years. So we are going to have a new currency that is going to be available to the world. And I would like to remind your viewers, uh, 30 countries out of 195 support the sanctions and 165 do not support the sanctions. We're in a new world. Okay, but Bob... This new world economic uh, system that you're talking about, why would it need a gold standard? Keep in mind that we had a gold standard. That was the Bretton Woods system, and Nixon took us off the gold standard in the 70s. So clearly somebody in power back then thought that a gold standard was no longer needed. Why would people now think all of a sudden that it's needed once more? Gold standards have worked for 5,000 years. The only reason they have ever failed was war start like they did in 1914 and everybody starts printing money like drunken sailors. Wars destroy currencies, period. It happened in the Civil War. It happened in the Revolutionary War. It happened in the French Revolution. It happens in every revolution. It happens in every war. They always go back to gold because gold Works Now, most people don't know this. I happen to know a lot of financial trivia. I've got 15 or 20 examples of money or things that used to be money on my walls here. Uh, there was currency after the French Revolution in 1789, and it failed. And then there was another currency, and then a, a French colonel, uh, became a dictator. His name was Napoleon. And the very first thing that he did is put France back on a gold and silver standard. Gold works. Now, I, I happen to be exceptionally negative on cryptocurrencies. Mm-hmm. There are 10,000 cryptocurrencies, and quite bluntly, none of them are going to work. It, it's a popular theme now to believe that governments are going to go to central uh, bank government uh, cryptocurrencies, but I don't believe so because it's, it's, it's a solution for a problem that doesn't exist. Gold currencies have always worked. They're a solution. They're not a problem. Okay. Well, why did Nixon take us off the gold standard then? It's worked up because till then. Vietnam. Right. Okay, let, let me raise you an issue, and I'm going to ask you a question I don't expect you to, to be able to answer. What was the only tax Americans paid for the Vietnam War? 
You ever you ever come across that? The only tax that the Americans the only tax. Okay, warrants cost a lot of money. I spent a million dollars on one mission in 1968 just to see if I could do it. Wars cost a lot of money. There was one tax, and the tax was a 10% income tax surcharge. Now then, what tax has been levied on Americans in the last 22 years to pay for Iraq, Iran, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Syria, Somalia, and all the other stupid wars? What tax? Well, I mean, there's a number of taxes here that we have to pay. No, no, uh, no. New tax. New tax. What tax? Uh, I mean, go, uh, you're Canadian. Okay. What tax has Canada levied to pay for their participation in Afghanistan? I, I wasn't aware we had a, a, an extra tax, but please, Bob, what is it? You're None. killing the, the, the suspense is killing me. None. None. Okay. And that's what I thought. If you get a war, and you don't pay for it. What happens? Well, what yeah. happens if you destroy your currency? So what, what is the tax that the, the Americans had to pay? There is none. Okay. So when uh, you print money, it is a tax. And most people don't realize this. One you're of talking about inflation. Is, inflation is a tax, is a form of taxation. That's a view that I've heard, right? Is that what you're alluding to? That's part of it. Okay, but here's the key. When any government spends money, it has to come from somewhere. Okay, there are three different places that it can come from. What are they? You just named one. Inflation. Okay. Give me two more. Taxation, direct taxation. That's two. And, of course, government revenues. From their own businesses. Well, no, governments, no, no government has revenue. They only have taxes. Okay. But there is a third and that's okay. default. Okay. When okay. governments I, I guess spend money. One way to look at it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When governments spend money, they have to collect it. So when you have a war like Afghanistan that costs $2.3 trillion, and let me put it into context. I'm very familiar with the Vietnam War, of course, because I spent 20 months getting shot at. Vietnam cost about $500 billion. Afghanistan was almost five times bigger, but there was no tax. Okay. We never paid for the war. So you're going to have to either have a lot of inflation or you're going to have to have default. And quite mm-hmm. bluntly, nobody knows what the real number is on derivatives, so, but the derivatives are going to blow sky So what, what you're saying is Nixon took us off the gold standard because he needed inflation and he didn't want to tax people. Is that is that it? Absolutely. Okay. A- absolutely. All right. Let me just – okay. Okay. And All if, right, well, if you look at, look at government spending since then, uh, I, I mean, government spending went like this, and then all of a sudden went up, and literally all of the financial work problems in the world go back to Nixon taking us off the gold standard. So I think the assumption here is that the gold standard will manage inflation for us. Suppose we did have a gold standard today, we wouldn't be seeing 8.3% CPI. Is that is that fair to assume, Bob? Ab- absolutely. 
under a, a stable money system, and it's strange thing is it doesn't have to be gold. In any kind of an honest money system, you don't have inflation, you have deflation. Okay. We had in the United States from 1783 until, uh, 1970, we had yeah. a very stable currency system. The, the, the government, uh, was under control and, and we weren't spending money like drunken sailors. Now the government's just throwing money around. Okay. Um, uh, final question. I'll let you go, Bob. This has been a very enlightening okay. talk. You talked about, uh, the stock markets collapsing 89% during the Great Depression of the early 30s. Now, what's going to happen now? You're, you're saying that the stock markets today are not done correcting. Uh, well, I mean, many tech stocks, individual tech stocks have already gone down 60, 70, perhaps even 80%. Uh, the indices as an aggregate haven't gone down as much, obviously, but uh, what's going to bring us down to that level, Bob? Suppose the S&P corrects another 50% from current levels. What's the trigger for that collapse? Okay, let me give you an analogy. All right. From the market high in early September of 1929, how long did it take for the market to recover to the same point? From from 1929, you said? Yeah. Uh, about 10 years or so? 1954. Okay, so I was off <laughs> by a okay. few decades. Uh, well, but I thought, uh, I, thought I thought it would take a while. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It has to do with your age more than anything else. You've never been through a real depression. You've never been through a real market crash. And probably 80 or 90 or 95% of investors have never seen a real crash. You want to see a real crash. Take a look at what's already happened to the cryptocurrencies. The same thing and worse is going to happen to the bond market. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen to the stock market. And when it does, people are going to look for a, a bolt hole of safety. And I'll be absolutely candid. I can put my hands on $50,000 worth of gold in about 30 seconds. Okay. So we're going to get, okay. So we're, we're going to get basically what Japan did in the uh, early nineties. They took two, the Nikkei took two decades. For to correct or rebound back to its uh, pre-90s level, so that's going to happen to the U.S. Uh, I mean, the, the economic. Condi- it sounds like you're comparing uh, the current conditions uh, today to that of, uh, you know, the Great Depression, and also I, I just made an analogy here. I just made a comparison to Japan, but these are very different time. Uh, points in history, these are very different countries and with different macroeconomic environments. Uh, once again, Bob, what, what exactly is going to take us there to another 50% correction? Um, people are saying that there might be another recession down the, down the line. People are saying that interest rate hikes from the Federal Reserve might, might do it. What's your take? Well, okay, let me ask an interesting question. Um, you, you were talking, were you talking about eight percent Point nine percent inflation in one percent in in the U.S. Yes, correct. Okay, and that's the CPI. The PPI is actually substantially higher than that. The PPI last month in Norway was up seventy percent. The PPI in mm-hmm. Germany was up thirty percent. The PPI in the United States absolutely will be higher. 
Mm-hmm. We are going to have much higher inflation, and we're going to have higher inflation because of printing money. And, and it's this giant balloon, and it's running around looking for a pin. And quite bluntly, it's found the pin, and it's going to do what all markets do when they get this overblown. They blow up. Okay, so inflation is going to cause... uh a, uh, oh, it's just, it's just part of it. Crash. Okay. The government spending the war in Afghanistan or the war in uh, Ukraine sanctions the cost of energy, the cost of fertilizer. We're going to mm-hmm. have people starving in the United States and Canada. And we're the wealthiest countries on earth because of the cost of natural gas and fertilizer and farmers right. inability to produce, uh, food. Yeah, so definitely inflation and a possible food shortage are definite concerns. Uh, a lot of people have uh, shared your shared your views, Bob. Uh, I'm just going to uh, I'm just going to give you a uh, an interesting fact and I'll leave you on a positive note. So actually sure. and I'm looking at the CPI numbers back to 100 years. Uh this is from the Minneapolis Fed actually in 1919 and actually all throughout 1917 mm-hmm. to 1921 we had double digit inflation in the US. So from 1917, it was 17%, uh, came down to 15%, uh, hovered around 15.6% in 1920, um, and then it came back to, uh, to negative uh, deflation very quickly thereafter. My point is, Bob, uh, there was a period of very, very high inflation in the late 1910s, and then we had the roaring 20s. So maybe, just on a positive note, maybe this high inflation that we're seeing now could lead to another roaring 20s. What do you think? Is that possible? Oh, we've, we've had the roaring twenties. Okay. What we're going to get is the dismal thirties, the dismal forties and the okay. dismal fifties. You okay. cannot have a market that is so out of balance as the market is today. Nobody's even talking about derivatives. Okay. The yeah. derivatives are a ticking time bomb that are not controlled by anybody. They should have been put to sleep 20 years ago. And Wall Street said, no, we don't want to do that. Derivative is going to blow. The bond market is going to blow. Stock market is going to blow. Cryptocurrencies have already started to blow. So what's left? All right. Uh, Well, you're right. I mean, look, gold hasn't spiked up 100 times like some cryptos, but it also hasn't come down 97% in a day like some cryptos. So... Uh, absolutely right there, Bob. It is, has, it has been a store of, uh, safety and wealth for thousands of years. So we'll continue this discussion with you another day. Thank you very much for coming to the show today. David, thank you very much. You asked good questions and you're very, you're, you're very, uh, challenging and that's a good thing. Well, I appreciate your conversation. I appreciate your candor and, uh, thank you. We'll speak to you again soon, Bob. And thank you for watching Kitco News. I'm David Lynn. Stay tuned for more.